What's up, Nightmare Nerds? I'm Josh, and welcome to the Nightmare Network presentation of New Nightmare, a spoiler-free podcast where we discuss new and notable horror. On today's episode, we're looking at the psychological religious body horror film Saint Maud. This is the feature-length directorial debut of Rose Glass, who also wrote the film, which follows Maud, a hospice nurse and devout Catholic who becomes intent on saving the soul of one of her patients. The film is super stylistic, very well acted and directed, and features what might be my favorite scene in any film I've seen so far this year. Mike and I had a devilishly good time talking about this one. Let's get to it. Rose Glass's directorial debut, St. Maud, has certainly been getting a lot of buzz, especially now that it's been available to stream. Josh, what were your initial thoughts on the movie? I really liked it. I thought it was uh, good. I, based, I watched the trailer. Like Pretty much all I knew was from the trailer going into it. Um, sure. I thought the tra- it was a really good trailer. Yeah, no complaints here. I thought it, I thought it was really well done. I thought in terms of even just like a directorial debut, like super stylish. Yeah, it 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 was definitely uh, definitely a mature narrative that was going on, which is especially surprising for a you know for a rookie rookie directorial mm-hmm. debut. Um, for me, I had seen the trailer like I said a few times. I'm pretty sure it the trailer first premiered last year before the pandemic, and this was one of those movies that got pushed and pushed and pushed. Yeah. Finally, finally, Epics uh, was able to get the rights to it. They put it out on their channel. So, uh, if you guys are itching to itching to watch this, you can find it on Prime with an Epics uh, an Epics expansion, which is how uh, we watched it. And it was yeah, it was really great. It was a really immersive experience um, because it it really tries to get you inside, literally, quite literally, inside the main character's head, inside of Maud's head, and really show her. Uh, I don't know if the word struggles, but I guess her journey into whether it's fanaticism or insanity, I guess, is the viewer's call. Yeah, it kind of uh, it walks this fine line of, of well, it's a religious, uh, thematically a religious film, kind of along the same lines of, as like an exorcist or uh, exorcism movie, exorcism of Emily, like name one. Sure. Right. But she, her struggles, I kind of, it was this interesting line walking of her struggles with her religion and then her struggle, like, is is she struggling mentally? Is she hearing voices or are the voices just voices in her head? Like, it, you know, it's... it's yeah, and, and I, I thought that was really well done in this instance because it felt to me, not stylistically, but thematically kind of like a documentary you could definitely see this as a statement of religious dedication and the challenges that the modern world kind of throws into uh you know modern day religious practices but at the other at the same time at the other end at the other side of the aisle you could definitely see this as uh, a coping mechanism for uh mental illness and and trying to attribute definitions to something that is just completely false right and to me, I thought that was a really great part of the film. I personally think that you can tell which side the director leans on, but it's really a fantastic way to kind of split that gap and say, yes, this could all be real and a testament of her faith, or this could be all in her head and a testament to her mental health. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was reading to, or I guess in a BBC interview, uh, Rose Glass, the director, um, relates Maud's relationship with God as like many people's relationship with social media, always looking for support, guidance, 
an affirmation. And I think that's, that's a really interesting sort of modern take on religiosity and, you know, Absolutely. And I think that blends through, especially with the modern aspect of this, because uh, you're introduced to this character, Maud, who re really kind of feels like a devout. The, the time the time period of this is very odd, because when you just kind of view Maud, it feels like you're in the 1920s. Right. She, she's in a yeah. very rundown, cl like closed part of the city. She doesn't have a lot of technology in her apartment she's eating soup because it's all she can afford right and it, the, so so the time's kind of weird here because it, it and she has this you know this shrine to christ on on her wall and it, it feels like a different time period and then there's a, a section in the middle of the film where she goes out and to a bar and it, it's it's a very weird modern clash to it so i can definitely see that that the, the societal clash going on yeah, and I think we we will touch on um, the performance uh, shortly. But the that scene in particular where she does go to the bar was so that to me was like this weird turning point in the film where like yeah. you're seeing this character who's really sort of like proper um, and she's you know she she's she's a definitely a devout follower. Yeah, um, and then there's that bar scene that uh, kind of shakes her out of that a little bit it's striking it really mm -hmm. is because it's it's something we do not see from her at all before that point yeah it's interesting because uh we had spoken about this briefly beforehand and i kind of told you that you said you thought it was great you loved it and i kind of got lost in the second act right around the midpoint and uh, i didn't tell you why but when i was watching it i felt this uh, connection to uh, you know Maud's character and Amanda's character, right? We spent most of the first act with her, uh, with 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 Maud uh, coming into uh, home care for Amanda's character. She's dying, and she gets this connection to her in her head, where she says, "I'm her savior. I need to save her." Mm -hmm. And then uh, through some events, Maud eventually gets fired from this position uh, because she takes things a little too far. And that's when we start showing, I guess, this more modern part of the story where she starts going out and showing us a different side to her character. My initial thoughts and why I felt like I was getting lost in the narrative was because I didn't feel like I had gotten enough of Maud and Amanda. I, I yeah. just felt like there, were, there could have been so much more interesting and intricate interactions between the two of them that I still feel we got a little cheated out of because it's a relatively short movie. It's about 85 minutes. And when you're running with that, when you're operating with that compact runtime, things need to be really succinct, really sharp. And it meanders a little bit, but I also seeing the narrative in full feel that that meandering is very important to her character, right? Because it yep. gives you this opportunity to for her character to, no pun intended, play devil's advocate with herself, right? Mm -hmm. And in doing that, that kind of lends more to the religious themes of the film. Yeah, I totally, I, I see where you're coming from, and I, I agree on, on, on some level. I think that um, you might want a little bit more time of Maude with Amanda um, and that, that relationship building a little bit more. But I, I also felt like Amanda's character was a little bit, like she kind of played along to mods uh the, the the things that mod was doing in a way sure. that felt like disingenuous or something like yeah. uh 
but yeah, I see what you're saying. And, and like, like you, like you said, it really does like it nails the final act. Yeah. Really because I, I, I will say without spoiling too much that when Amanda's character is reintroduced in the narrative, whoo, that is a scene and it really, it really catches you off guard how it's, how it's, uh, how it plays out. And that's one of my favorite scenes that I've seen in a movie in a long, yeah, long time. Yeah, it's very, so very, very good. Yeah. And another thing about this film is it's surprisingly gruesome. Um, mm-hmm. And th- there's a lot of, I guess, what we, uh, what we Reformed Catholics like to call self-flagellation in, in this film. A, lo- a lot of it is kind of Maud punishing herself. Um, and it, in one specific instance, uh, and I think you see this in the trailer, so it's not really too much of a surprise, but she sticks nails through a Christ picture and puts those in the sole of her shoes, which she's putting them in the sole of her shoes. This is a battle for souls. I'm just saying there's a lot going on here. <laughs> um, but she puts them in the soles of her shoes, sticks her feet and walks around. There's a lot of gruesome aspects gory aspects to the film they're scattered but they are very strong Mm -hmm. and uh while i was kind of watching this i decided to look into uh the the style of this film and i was reading an interview in vulture about how rose glass the director and writer was asked by a male journalist if she got squeamish filming gore scenes and she answered why would i i wrote it and to, to me, that's awesome. And it, it, the article goes a little farther into saying how the majority of the audience for horror movies has kind of surpassed the male teen, which I guess it kind, it kind of was back in the slasher films where it was like, okay, let's get as much blood and boobs on the screen as we could. Sure. And it's really shifted to... Uh, really strong female and and women led a, a woman led genre and the audience is is really um, kind of women led now too and I and I think it's great to see artists like Rose Glass and uh, Chelsea Stardust who's who's made some really good movies and you know Emerald Fennel with her uh, with uh, promising young woman and to kind of mm-hmm. see how they're really breaking the mold in the genre that's been so male oriented for, you know, the past 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely one of those directorial debuts, uh, similar to like somebody like Ari Aster or I know, I know your takes on hereditary (laughs) aren't super positive, but, um, somebody like Ari Aster or even somebody like Jordan Peele come to the scene and like drop something like get out as their first feature. Like, you know, that this is like a new voice in the genre and, I can't wait to see what her next movie is. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting because to to see what we have next because like you said we have someone like Ari Aster who hits who hits the ground with a hereditary and though we, and though you guys may not know it now but I am not super high on hereditary. A lot Crazy of people were, <laughs> a lot of people were and to see to see a, a, an artist like him go from a hereditary to a midsummer which is a very different kind of horror film. It's it, it makes me so interested to see what a talent like Rose Glass is going to put out, considering I loved St. Maud significantly more than I loved Hereditary. Because yeah. I, I feel like, you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this movie kind of transcends the traditional horror genre and goes into a separate genre that I like to call 
A24 horror. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not it's not really horror. It's I mean it, it is, but it's it's not pure horror. It's marketed horror. You know what I mean? Sure. And it, it's the same th- it's the same thing with Hereditary, it comes at night. I'm pretty sure it was a A24 movie. It was, yeah. Where it's 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 more focused on the drama of the characters, and that instances in these plots could be considered horrific. But at the same time, it's very character centered, very character motivated. Yeah, that just gave um, me an idea for our genre yeah. podcast to do an A24. Horror. A24, A24. I, yeah, I, I think that would be fun. That'd be very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is which is a total credit to their studio, right? Uh, like A twenty four for a really long time was known for, you know, those independent kind of art house movies, and and you know na- nowadays they're they're pumping out horror like nobody's business. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the Lighthouse is another A twenty four horror film, which yeah. yeah, which which again is not your conventional horror movie, right? <laughs> it would be interesting to see someone like approach an A24 film with a slasher mindset, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I wonder what that would look like. I want to see people who like are established filmmakers, like even even like art house film. Like I would love to see a a Wes Anderson horror movie. You know, if he just went pure horror. That would be really 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 interesting. And I've been saying this for a long time. Um another I am not uh, the biggest Tim Burton fan in the world, and I would Same. love to see Tim Burton make like a normal drama <laughs> like I, I think that I, I think the closest he ever came was big fish right which which is why I think big fish is one of his best films because it's grounded in reality versus mm. these other films that are just kind of I, I feel like they are quote unquote gothic quote end quote gothic for the sake of style over structure. A lot of it, I yeah. feel like, is unmotivated. But then you have Big Fish, where it's these kind of parallels um, between the two worlds, and that's what makes it grounded. So I, I would love to see like that kind of filmmaker really step out of their out of their uh, their niche and really do something different. And I think A twenty four is a cool enough company where they're doing all these different things with horror and horror conventions that different filmmakers, the Wes Andersons, the it would be cool to see like a Chris Nolan horror movie. You know what I mean? Like I want to know what that guy can do with a horror yeah. script. Yeah. I guess it's just a matter too of like, do, do those very specific types of filmmakers, do they like even like horror? Do they have an understanding of it? Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't know who knows. Yeah. But, but then, then you also had not, not to get too far off the of same mod, but then you also have those like horror champions like James Gunn who are making Guardians of the Galaxy films, but started out making trauma movies, right? And yeah. making uh, Slither, you know, and, and really mm-hmm. great kind of really B horror movies like that. I, I think you'd be surprised to find that a lot of big hitters started in horror, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Sure. So let's, let's just like, start to wrap things up here. I wanted to get your take on, uh, I believe it's pronounced Morphid Clark's uh, performance in this film, because I think, sure. I don't think I've seen her in anything else. Um, she, she looks was, a lot younger she than she is. I think she's 30 yeah. years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. She, she was in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies a that's few right, years yeah. ago, which I, I was un- unfortunately not, I've never seen it, but I, I was really interested because uh, the guy who uh, wrote the book also wrote Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, which is a great book, terrible movie. But um, it, she was fantastic. Um, she, she, her performance really helps. Uh, 
ground this movie in terms of asking that question what is going on like are uh, like are mm-hmm. we she, she does an amazing job of both convincing you she is a devout christian experiencing visions from god and losing her mind at the same time right it's it's she she's fantastic yeah and there's not a whole lot of dialogue i would say unless i'm just getting that wrong but she's not she's not talking a whole lot in the film and i i found myself just wondering what she was thinking a lot of the time you know and she was just so good at portraying that yeah it, which is interesting because there is i did notice this there is a voiceover right the first the first half hour of the film is voiced over by by her and she's she's kind of explaining to you what she's thinking and i'd have to watch it again but it felt like as the movie went on the voiceover became less and less apparent which led you to think what is she thinking more often because I think in the beginning, as she's more quote unquote sane and with it, she's more upfront to the audience with what she's thinking. And then as the narrative progresses and as she's slowly kind of losing herself, and we see these little tornado spirals all over the place, which was fantastically creepy. So the last thing I want to talk about uh, before we wrap this up is something that you told me was a hot take. And I want to see how you really think about it because. We talked about the A24 horror film, and I could not help but think the entire time watching this movie, it felt like a very modern version of the VVH, also known as The Witch, uh, <laughs> from Robert Eggers. It, se- it, it seemed very similar, because they both seem like tales about questionings of faith. And, and then at the end, we have this... Actually, I don't I want to give it away, but it's it's almost a dual questioning of whether or not there there's no true clarity about what's going on and the question still persists in your mind and mm. especially there's there's a scene in St. Maud where she finally and we as an audience finally hear the voice of God right and yep. we're hearing what she's hearing and it's 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 a it's a point in the story where we're, we're not sure what's going on in her head and then we finally hear this voice that she's hearing and when I when I watched that scene, I immediately thought of the scene in The Witch when uh, the Anya Taylor Joy's character goes into the shed and finally hears the witch talk. Right, and up to that mm-hmm. point, up to that point, we're not we we we're not sure if there really is a witch, if it's all going on in these characters' heads, and then you hear it from her perspective and i found that to be very similar so i to me i feel like they're very similar narratives put in very different times i'm wondering what you what do you think about that i think that's a very hot take and i'm not being sarcastic i think it's (laughs) i think i think i think you nail it um and both both directorial debuts if i'm not mistaken yeah, so uh, I think we I think this uh, this film gets a thumbs up from both of us. It's very engaging, uh, it's very smart, it's very slick, and it's very scary. Uh, so if you guys haven't already, please go check out uh, Rose Glass's directorial debut, Saint Maud. Uh, thank you for joining us for New Nightmare. I am Mike, and I'm Josh, and we'll scare you next time. Thanks for listening to the Nightmare Network podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and don't be afraid to give us suggestions on movies that spooked you out for our next episode. You can visit nightmarenetworkofficial.com to submit your own nightmare to be adapted into a short film on our YouTube channel. As always, at Nightmare Network, you share your scares.